Welcome to Take the Money, a production of Foster & Associates Financial Services, Inc., co-hosted by Philip Marion and David Winnell. Take the Money is a podcast exploring the challenges and opportunities facing entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals. Disclaimer, none of our discussions should be considered a recommendation to purchase any particular product, security, fund, or ETF, and all content should be considered for information purposes only. Before making any investment decision, our listeners are strongly encouraged to seek the counsel of a qualified investment advisor and make sure the investment is suitable for you. Now on to the show. Welcome to another episode of Take the Money. With us today is Chris Stewart, President and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Thank you for joining, Chris. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Look forward to it. This is a special episode because you are our first guest that's not Canadian. Looking forward to hearing an American perspective on the, on the real estate side. Well, I'll start out just a simple question. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and how you arrived at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services? Yeah, so uh, it's uh, not unlike a lot of people in the real estate uh, industry in that uh, a lot of us tend to have started our careers in other industries and found ourselves in the real estate industry through one entrepreneurial path or another, and uh, I'm no different. I actually started my career after college, went right into enterprise technology and worked in New York City with a systems integrator and uh, relocated with that firm out to Silicon Valley and then went to work at Oracle Corporation as a global account executive uh, representing our uh, full bag of products and services and, and uh, database technologies uh, to a uh, named account list of Fortune 100 customers. And uh, just through that, met a lot of great people, had many different opportunities along the way professionally. And one that was really intriguing was an opportunity to join forces with some people from Oracle actually a good buddy of mine that had the same role, a peer of mine. And we started a mortgage uh, brokerage that became a bank and built that into a $6 billion uh, annual loan volume origination uh, platform. Uh, and that was uh, 2003 to 2008, uh, sold that and actually joined forces with another mentor of mine, Gino Blafari, who in 2003 started a real estate brokerage in Silicon Valley. And so I joined him as uh, the head of his franchising group and together with the other executives, we built that into the seventh largest real estate brokerage in the United States and sold that to uh, Berkshire Hathaway's real estate group, which is Home Services of America. And then Gino and I uh, went over to run the franchise group and that was 2015. So I held a number of different executive roles in the franchising group from 15 until uh, 2019, January, when I took over the CEO role. You've got a pretty diverse background and the title of president and CEO of Berkshire Home Services, it's a pretty broad mandate. What uh, what does your job entail? Yeah, so our group, uh, Berkshire Home Services is a franchisor. So as with any franchisor, uh, our objectives are to grow and support our franchise network. And so in that regard as the CEO, my job is to really run all aspects of our operation specific to helping achieve those goals of growth and support of our network. And so it's an exciting job in the sense that, uh, you know, not unlike any other franchising network, be it in uh, food services or 
uh, retail or uh, you name it, right? Uh, virtually all industries are touched in some way by a franchising model. Uh, we get to uh, have a number of different uh, initiatives that are designed to you know, be supportive of our network. Various marketing initiatives, various uh, branding and advertising and promotional initiatives, various technology initiatives, various training initiatives, various uh, you know, support and event-oriented uh, initiatives that are all designed to help promote and grow and, and um, you know, sustain a really healthy network of franchisees. So in Canada, no one really knows much about Berkshire Hathaway from a real estate perspective, just uh, Berkshire Hathaway, like a holdings company. Uh, how does Berkshire Hathaway as a brand help the home services real estate side? Yeah, well, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting question. Uh, well, first of all, uh, we're only uh, just a little over seven years old. So our very first okay. sign went into a yard September 23rd, uh, seven years ago, uh, 2013. So we're very young as it relates to the other real estate brands in the world, the Remaxes, of course, the Royal LePages in Canada, uh, you know, the, the Colville Bankers, the uh, Century 21s, right? We are very much a young pup uh, in, in that mix of competitors. And so it's, um, it's natural for us to go into a territory where we're brand new and unheard of. Um, and so the, the association with Berkshire Hathaway, the parent company, is something that we describe as the halo effect. And in fact, the way that that materializes into our real estate operation is through what we call share of voice. So share of voice is a media metric that all industries track. Uh, it measures specifically a company's share of media mentions relative to its competitors in a given industry. And when you combine, again, what we describe as the halo effect, the power of Berkshire Hathaway, our parent company, Mr. Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, our real estate entity, we have a 76% share of voice. The next closest competitor in the real estate category has less than 7% share of voice. So really as that translates into a agent consumer dynamic, it's really all about just sharing from an agent to a buyer or seller what that visibility what the exposure, what the tactical uh, implementations of our marketing and brand promotion and, and listing promotion campaigns look like to translate uh, the, the impact of that to a, to a consumer. So some, some of those things you mentioned, the, the marketing events, the technology, what, what part does being uh, involved with Berkshire Hathaway, like how, how does that help you in, in times like this when, when everything has changed so quickly? Well, I think in several ways. First of all, you know, it's, um, it's comforting certainly to us and, uh, I, you know, I believe to most of our franchisees and in fact to some of the consumers that we're affiliated with, what, with such a robust and stable company like Berkshire Hathaway. You know, if you look at a lot of the consumer affinity rankings, uh, whether it's most trusted, most respected, most valued. I'm talking about Forbes and Fortune and all the various rankings entities that are out there. Berkshire Hathaway is always amongst the top three, four, or five. And I think that robustness of the parent company, our financials, uh, our integrity, what the, you know, what, what the consumer associates with the Berkshire Hathaway name in general is very comforting, again, to our franchisees and, and, and many, many of our consumers. I think there's also some financial discipline and some rigor that goes into our operation 
that is very different than a lot of the other real estate entities. In other words, there's a lot of real estate companies throughout the world that operate in a very mom and pop fashion. And that might be okay for some consumers, for some types of transactions. But when you're dealing with sophisticated transactions, large properties, commercial properties, luxury properties, you have contingent sales, you have issues such as wire fraud, and you're dealing with complexities in title and insurance and mortgage, I think it provides a lot of comfort to consumers that they are in fact tethered to such an enterprise that can help uh, troubleshoot issues, uh, resolve issues uh, that, that you're unable to foresee and troubleshoot on the front end and deal with issues that um, perhaps some less uh, resourced uh, organizations in the industry would, would be able to handle. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you a perfect case in point. Uh, wire fraud right now on the part of uh, buyers, you know, people buying homes and hackers coming in to interrupt the communications between buyers and their and their agents and the title companies and the escrow agents uh, is, is unfortunately somewhat of a common practice. You know, the protocol, the infrastructure, the level of testing, the level of security, the level of just awareness that our organization puts into preventing that type of thing is extraordinary. And on the back end of something, unfortunately, if it were to happen, we bring the FBI in on a regular cadence with our legal review and our IT processes. So the relationships and the infrastructure and the focus that we have on that type of an issue in our industry is, um, is, is un unprecedented. And again, that's one of those things where the, the average consumer wouldn't even be aware of it. And hopefully they never even have to pay attention to it. But trust me, if they're in a situation they certainly are going to be glad that they that they affiliated and did business, chose to do business with an organization like ours versus someone that, again, would be under-resourced in that regard. Has that been going on for quite some time or has it been escalating over the years? Both. It has oh, been going on for quite a while and um, it's, only, it's only getting worse. And uh, Phil, I think I would argue it's only going to get worse. I just want to shift a, a little bit towards Canada. You've recently expanded to Toronto and Montreal. Uh, so congratulations on that. Thank uh, you. The question would be, um, why those two cities and why now? Yeah, it's a great question. So when we launched the brand in 2013, we had a, you know, a short-term objective of filling out the footprint in the domestic U.S. market. Uh, we had acquired the, formerly the Prudential Real Estate Network. On the basis, as a result of that acquisition, we wanted to make sure that we were you know, very focused on the U.S. domestic franchisees and their transition into the new brand. And so we sort of set kind of a, a longer term horizon on our international growth, non-U.S. growth. And with that, we said we would begin focusing on uh, the other North American countries and Western Europe, primarily because of the affinity and synergy from a real estate transaction perspective. The difference in our uh, model is really twofold. Uh, and I say difference from uh, some of our other competitors, some of the other brands I mentioned earlier. Number one, we from the beginning chose to grow globally with a direct franchising model. In other words, we chose deliberately not to have any sort of middle, you know, middle layer of regional developers or master franchisors as they're referred to in the industry between us and our uh, end user franchisees within the localities. 
And the second objective was to say, we don't necessarily care where we go. We know that we want to have eventually a presence in all markets around the globe who operate in an organized real estate environment. And with that caveat around North America and Western Europe, let's simply go where we find the best operators, the best operators defined by the greatest alignment with our vision and values and the operating model that we have within our organizations. And so with that, we've got a, a very focused business development strategy. We have a team whose job it is to go and either live or work in these markets to meet with the brokers and understand this alignment of vision and values, and then simply see if there's an alignment and, and, and try and you know put deals together. And so it just so happened that Toronto, of course, is a wonderful market, an iconic flagship market in your country. Uh, and of course, we met the the wonderful team of Mark Wadden and Blair Johnson, and then obviously they've expanded their organization since their affiliation with us. So it was really a function of us meeting great operators that were very well aligned. And I would say the same of uh, Sasha Brousseau in, in, uh, in Quebec, in Montreal. The same, by the way, is true of all of the other uh, global uh, affiliations that we have in Western Europe and Dubai. So get, your experience at, uh, at Cisco has probably helped in the last year. Can you, can you tell us about some of the technological innovations that, that you've brought in, whether it's you know, for, for use through your uh, network of, of franchisees or is it things that uh, buyers and sellers would be making use of? Tell us about sort of the, the technology that's been used today. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, just to, I, I may have misspoke earlier, but my global account executive role was with Oracle. Oracle uh, Corporation, yeah, but it's uh, it's funny, David. Uh, Cisco was for a, a little bit a, a client of mine. You felt Cisco hovering in the universe there with us, but <laughs> of course, uh, it's interesting because my my career in technology started in the in the mid at mid nineties throughout the uh, early part of the two thousands, and you know I had a front seat at the internet technology, internet computing's entree into to the commercial world. And it was really fascinating to have been a part of so many uh, business transformation projects where technology was leading the way. And, you know, so I've always had that perspective, always viewed my role in mortgage and now in real estate and franchising through the lens of technology transformation. And so one of the things that I really wanted to focus on when we came to Berkshire Home Services was what were some technologies that we could bring in from outside of the real estate industry? Because the real estate industry, if you look at a lot of the other franchising operations and the brokerages specifically, they're very much leveraging technology from within the industry. And so uh, we developed a, a long-term technology roadmap and, and uh, an integrated business strategy approach to that. And uh, two of the technology platforms that we brought in to support that were one, Adobe, which is one of the leading software companies in the world, and also Salesforce.com. And so we've really taken a, uh, you know, a combined tactical and strategic uh, implementation to our roadmap, uh, looking first to establish some foundational platform uh, procedures that allow us to build on top of these capabilities over time and, and really leveraging the innovative horsepower of, you know, these two world leading companies, Adobe and Salesforce, so that we're not really, you know, we, we're not pushing the envelope in terms of the innovation curve. We let them do that. And then we assimilate the availability of their innovation into our business strategy on the basis of timing and budget and, and just capacity, quite frankly. And so that's, that's been uh, very worthwhile. It's allowed us to dramatically improve our technology uh, capabilities in a lot of areas. 
and slowly improve them in others. And again, we're putting a foundation uh, in place, uh, I would say. And, and the, you know, the audience for this is a combined audience of our network members, our agents and teams and brokerages, as well as our end consumers. You've, you've touched upon it a little bit already, but uh, you've grown quite a bit. Can you maybe elaborate a bit more on uh, the benefits that realtors get when they join your brand? Real estate is, is such a, uh, you know, a nuanced industry in that regard. Uh, and what I mean is that, you know, if I'm a sales and marketing professional selling financial planning or, you know, life insurance or automobiles or, uh, you know, any other type of, you know, product or service, there's much more verticality in how I'm presenting that product or service. There's very little variance in how I'm marketing myself or how the company is marketing on my behalf. There's very little variance in the sales methodology. There's very little variance in the product choice. Whereas in real estate, you know, all of the agents are entrepreneurs. They're small business owners. And in that regard, they really choose their work schedule, their cadence, their velocity. There's so much independence. And similarly, at the franchising level, there's so much autonomy and flexibility. Unlike, for instance, a fast food franchise, let's say a Subway or McDonald's or a Jamba Juice or maybe a, a fitness facility, a 24-hour fitness or, you know, you, you pick the industry. There's not as much flexibility in those models. You know, they're going to tell you or suggest pretty strongly and within, you know, pretty much 5 to 10% of variance, the operators and the employees in those models are going to subscribe to the playbook. Real estate is completely different. And so to the item of value to the real estate agents, it's really a function of us finding great operators. In the case of Toronto, Blair and Mark and Stephanie and the rest of the team are perfect examples, right? They're, they're very flexible. They're very complementary of one another in terms of skill set. They have a great blend of marketing and technology. But I think fundamentally, they have a great environment and a great culture, which is both stimulating, invigorating, and challenging for the agents that work for them. So if you were to ask 100 agents within Toronto Realty, what do they most get out of their relationship with Toronto Realty? I think you'd probably get 70 different answers. And so that's really sort of the, the, sort of the magic and the challenge of real estate franchising and real estate brokerages you have to have something that appeals to everyone, yet this common and common denominator set of ingredients that, that needs to appeal to everyone, and then have a flexible and invigorating environment so that you're trying to get the very, very best out of your people. And so that said, my goal is I want to aspire to help my franchisees achieve their business goals faster than they would without me. And I'm hopeful that it inspires my real estate brokerage franchisees like Mark and Blair's example, Toronto Realty, to have the same sort of philosophy with their agents. And if we can attract agents who are inspired by working in that kind of environment, then I think they'll be inspired to work with their real estate customers to do the same thing, which is how do we help consumers make smarter, better real estate decisions? And I, so I think in that sort of cascading kind of elasticity of, you know, being in the service mindset of others is where we achieve this really magical chemistry. But you've got to have marketing, you've got to have a great brand, you've got to have technology, 
And then it's just a question ultimately at the end of the day with agents and even consumers, okay, what am I going to value most? What, what am I going to get the most out of in the way that I'm approaching this? You know, I, I get, I just tell you, and you probably can appreciate this as consumers yourself. It's like, Hey, some of my real estate decisions, I'm comfortable making 90% doing 90% of the legwork. I need an agent to help me negotiate some deals and do the last 10%. But if I'm buying a vacation property, maybe an investment property in an, in an area of town, I'm not really familiar with, man, I really need to lean on a professional. It's kind of like that. It, the, the scenario kind of dictates what portion of this value package is going to be most valuable and when. So this, this is a pretty open-ended question for you, Chris, but what, what are some of the biggest challenges you've, you've seen through the pandemic? Well, um, you know, in, in this industry, I think always the most important thing and consequently the biggest challenge is the agent's mindset. Mindset determines absolutely everything in this business, you know, the space between your ears. And naturally, as we went into this pandemic, anxiety, insecurity, uh, you know, uncertainty was a plenty, right? And so you got to keep people focused. You got to keep them optimistic. You got to keep them uh, goal and vision oriented and focused on the controllable activities. Um, the other big thing, and it's sort of, it sort of plays off of the first is the role that the media plays negatively in creating the narrative that consumers buy into relative to real estate. I can't, I can't believe still today how many personal friends of mine or contacts in my network are still completely dumbfounded with the fact that real estate is performing so well. People are shocked to know that real estate values are going up, that the interest rates are where they're at. I mean, people just are, don't know. And I'm not surprised by that because if you turn on any, any of the media conduit, What's there, what positively is there to take away from anything the media is saying today in today's environment? And so that's the thing is we are, you know, I always say that we are the light of the industry. And so our mindsets have to be strong. We have to be rooted in an understanding of what's actually happening in the market. And then we have to carry that message out to our consumers. We have to control the headline and the narrative. And so making that a reality in a world where we can't travel, I'm not out in front of our people. I'm not presenting to hundreds and thousands of agents on a weekly basis the way I normally would be uh, makes it tough. But we, I think that we've adjusted very successfully and leveraging platforms like this, opportunities like this as one example, I think that we're doing a good job and our, and our network is responding positively because of that, I think. Well, it leads into the opportunities you see. Uh, what, can you describe some that uh, you think are going to come out of all of this? Yeah, 100%. I mean, first of all is, I think we're going to look back and see that this, you know, work from home dynamic, I'm reading forecasts, I'm sure you are as well, that pen the professional workforce, uh, work from home population, growing from 5% pre-COVID to 33% post-COVID. So when you look at 33% of our professional workforce permanently working from home, the geographical boundaries that we had heretofore been you know, constrained within relative to commuting to our offices each day goes out the window. And we're seeing that real time in terms of traditional second home and vacation markets turning into primary residence markets. We're seeing you know, people leaving densely populated urban areas 
uh, we're seeing people move, uh, you know, internationally for, you know, tax purposes or other lifestyle and, you know, purposes. And that's a reality. Um, I know here, I live in Northern California, here in Silicon Valley, most of the uh, tech companies have basically declared, look, if you want to come back, you can. It's not a, it's not a requirement. Matter of fact, David, it's funny you mentioned Cisco earlier. I had a buddy whose son uh, just graduated college a couple of years ago, went to work at Cisco. We were trying to find him a house in Silicon Valley. We'd been outbid and outbid. Every deal was a multiple offer deal. And uh, and by the way, he was looking at some real, really conservative homes, you know, 1,200 square feet for $1.8 million. And Cisco <laughs> says, look, you don't need to come back. You can live wherever. He goes, boom, picks up and goes go. straight to Las Vegas yeah. um, in, in a course of three days. And we're seeing a lot of that. So we're seeing, you know, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, Arizona, in terms of people leaving from California. And we're seeing that all over, uh, all over the world. Uh, quite frankly. So do you, do you, do you think you'll, you'll see a good number of Americans coming to Toronto and Montreal once the borders open up and, you know, we're into 2021? Yeah, I think that, you know, I think the gloves are off from the standpoint of people are, uh, you know, at a point now, not, not everyone, but I think a significant portion of our uh, professional workforce is going to be able to move wherever they want. And, uh, and I love that. I mean, movement of the movement of family and people is somewhat sometimes motivated by divorce and death and things that are not very good. So I don't want to be callous from that standpoint, but I'm just saying the movement of people is very good for our industry. And, and I certainly welcome that. And we certainly welcome, uh, you know, the opportunity to provide that trusted advice to people that are in those situations. I have a, I'll ask a last question here. What are you most, uh, what are you most passionate about? What drives you in this business? Well, you know, I touched on it earlier, you know, I, I'm motivated by this idea that, and actually, so let me just kind of test my thesis on the two of you. Are there any real estate decisions that you regret not having made or made in the form of a property you didn't buy and could have and or a property you sold and shouldn't have? Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you feel like when you're on our on our deathbeds, the three of us, do you think that any of us would look back and regret not owning more real estate as a as a means of transferring wealth to our families and yeah, I mean it's uh, you look at it now. I mean, I've 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 had a few examples of of buying and selling in Toronto, and you, know, you, you look back. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but absolutely, I wish I was still holding on to everything that I used to. <laughs> yeah so, yeah i'd regret not having quite a bit and and so that that's what i'm really driven by is this idea that i think that a more educated consumer creates a more valued berkshire hathaway home services agent so we've got to both be a part of that education and a part of that deliverable in terms of trust and integrity and transparency and by the way and by no means am I suggesting that everyone should keep every piece of real estate that they've ever owned or buy everything that they've got their eyes on. I just think that there's a lot of unknowns because as consumers, our transaction velocity is so infrequent, we don't know what we don't know. And we're only as strong as the people typically that are inside of our immediate circle of friends that we can be referred to. And then only as strong as the, the level of wisdom and experience that they have to guide us to different financing vehicles. 
different, um, you know, rental or in income investment type scenarios. There's all these sorts of different things. And when I look at the other methods of wealth creation, you know, whether it's financial planning and life insurance and or stocks and bonds and, and trading, et cetera, there's just this wealth of infrastructure and sort of momentum and inertia in those fields that we don't have in real estate. Yet real estate is arguably one of the best methods of wealth creation uh, ever. And so it's obviously not for everyone. And like I said, it's not a matter of just, you know, dominating, you know, everyone's portfolio with real estate. But I do believe that there's, there's great decisions to be made and there's some bad decisions that are left out on the playing field. And I think the role of a professional real estate agent um, it can fill that gap. And that was really one of the, you know, the, the catalyst behind creating Real Estate's Forever brand as our tag. Because I want to, I want to encourage agents that are full-time professional agents. This is their passion. It's not a part-time hobby. This is what we do. And I want to really convey the importance of that to the real estate consumer. And then I also want to convey to the real estate consumer, look, you don't need to go and find a different real estate agent every, every time you have a question. And even if you're buying something outside of the primary market that you live in today, that agent that you know and trust has a trusted agent that they know and trust that they can get you in contact with. And then all of the associated sets of services, whether it's property management or, or investment advice for commercial type properties or whatever it might be, you know, those great real estate agents who focus in this industry full time, they are a wealth of experience and knowledge. It's very important. I've had a poor experience with an agent and uh, it's, it's really devastating sometimes for the consumers. So I'm happy to hear that. It's a very uh, positive thing to be so passionate about having your brand so important and, and having a, a, the agent so passionate about what they do. So thank you, Chris. I really, uh, really enjoyed the talk. And thank you for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Chris. Take care. So that's the show. Stay tuned next week when we have a discussion with Candace Schott. Candace is the broker of record and partner of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services East Realty back home here in Toronto. If you have any questions about our firm, you might find the answers at our website, www.fostergroup.ca, or you can send me an email at dwinnell at fostergroup.ca. Until next time.